Thank you so much, Jocelyn, Wally, and Tim for singing and leading us in song to God this morning. Thank you so much, uh, Tony and Vita, for the heartwarming welcoming to not just, not just your home, but God's house, because we're here, amen, and God ultimately is here. Thank you so much, Wally, for your, your, your banger of a contribution, you Bobby Dazzler, you. Thank you so much. Bro, what an incredible story of the widow at Zarephath. Wow. Bro, that was her welfare plan. Uh, welfare plan. God. Like, God took care of her. And isn't it true that as ridiculous as it may seem to the world to give our last little bit to God, God's like, hey, trust me. I'll take care of the rest. I appreciate you, bro. Thank you so much for that. Time. You know, I'm a man of fundamentals. <coughs> I like to talk about the things that matter most. <coughs> Good Lord. Water? Water? Yeah. Water. <laughs> like water. <laughs> I appreciate water. That's of the Lord, guys. <laughs> right. You Amen. Water from the well. <laughs> Pretty sure this did not come from a well, bro. <laughs> Amen. Thank you. You now have a prophet's reward. <laughs> I appreciate you. Your reward will not be taken away. But I like to talk about fundamentals. Why? Because as disciples, there's a lot to think about. There's so much going on in our lives. And that's why as a disciple, I prefer to call my times with God every day a quiet time. Because if you're anything like me, there's a lot of noise. I'm like, God, I'd like some quiet. <laughs> just shut everything up. <laughs> like, I just want peace and quiet to be still and know that he is God, yeah. not me. So to go back to the basics, to talk about the fundamentals, what are the most important things in our faith? So today, I want to talk about maybe something that's a little bit more fun. I want to talk about... Uh, the most interesting man in the world. Mm. The most interesting man in the world. I don't know if any of us have seen uh, 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 commercials in the recent past. Uh, there's uh, the Dos Equis man, right, who's the yeah, most yeah. interesting man in the world. Well, I don't know if anybody's ever heard of Chuck Norris before. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've come up with a list of, of sayings, of the proverbs of our modern day culture about this most interesting man in the world. And I quote, the most interesting man in the world. His two cents is actually worth $37 in change. <laughs> the most interesting man in the world. Once a rattlesnake bit him. After five days of excruciating pain, the snake finally died. <laughs> the most interesting man in the world. His left hand is also right-handed. <laughs> the most interesting man in the world. His business card simply says, I'll call you. <laughs> the most interesting man in the world, he never gets blisters, but his shoes do. <laughs> the most interesting man in the world, he once taught a German shepherd how to bark in Spanish. <laughs> the most interesting man in the world once brought a knife to a gunfight just to even the odds. <laughs> the most interesting man in the world can kill two stones with one bird. <laughs> the most interesting man once got pulled over for speeding and the cop got the ticket. <laughs> Let's turn to Mark chapter two. Who is this most interesting man in the world? 
I'll tell you this morning. Mark chapter 2. I'm grateful that you guys all laughed. This would have been a very long and difficult lesson. If you didn't laugh. Mark chapter 2, starting in verse 9, talking about the most interesting man to ever have walked planet Earth. Mark chapter 2, verse 9. You remember the story of, of the healing of a paralyzed man who was lowered through the roof in front of a Bible talk, listening to the Messiah Jesus. And, and the Pharisees, the religious leaders, began to criticize Jesus for forgiving this man's sin in public. And Jesus responds by saying in Mark chapter 2, verse 9, which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat and walk. But I want you to know that the Son of Man, that's me, that's Jesus, has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone. Wow. And they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Wow. What a privilege it is to be part of a church that worships this most interesting man in the world. Amen. I know I shared last week uh, how, how incredibly like honored it is to hear so many visitors who come out to church say this very thing. Mm. Wow, you guys, the way you worship, it's so genuine. Mm. It's so unanimous. Mm. Everybody's so fired up, up, uh, fired up about God. I've never seen anything yeah. like this before. Yeah. And how is that possible? How is it possible to get people from all different walks of life, from all the different populated continents of the world, in one room in Toronto, Canada, to be so fired up where people say we've never seen anything like it? Well, it's very simple. Because we worship the man from whom all this came. Jesus mm. is the most interesting man Amen. in the world. Amen. I recall Mark chapter 7. Where Jesus, again, is performing miracles. He's preaching to the crowds. He's rebuking the religious leaders. And I feel like that probably fired up the people the most. Like, it's like, well, like, not only is he healing people, but he's rebuking the people that are making our lives difficult. Thank God Jesus rebuked the religious leaders. And the people said in Mark chapter 7, verse 37, people were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Wow. Jesus, the most interesting man in the world. And when we reflect on all the historical, political figures in human history, I mean, think about it. This carpenter from nowhere Nazareth, and yet no one has changed the world in such a short amount of time, for already 2,000 years, like Jesus Christ has. Wow. How many people died to start Christianity? The answer? He did. Wow. Islam spread, it catalyzed through the Middle Eastern world through warfare, knives, swords, death of those who did not and refused to convert. Mm. And yet Jesus Christ was the one who laid his life down as the good shepherd, as the most interesting man in the world, mm. so that we could be co-heirs with him for eternity in heaven. Yeah. Today I want to talk about the most fundamental thing of all. Jesus, mm. this most interesting yeah. man in the world. And, and I know sometimes for me, I'll share from my heart, sometimes I, I have quiet times in the morning, and I'm just 
bedazzled, to use to use a Wallyism, right? I'm blown away by the scriptures, and I feel like when I open the Bible, I cannot wait. It's like you know those children when they get the, the little candy, the Kinder Egg. Have you ever seen a child open a Kinder Egg? It's like, oh man, there's got to be gold inside. I bet there's like a whole ship in there. And you're like, child, it's a Egg, right? <laughs> but the, the wonder, the amazement, the hope that a child has yeah. opening a little kinder egg yeah. or a Christmas morning present. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when I open the Bible for my quiet time with God, sometimes I feel like that little child, yeah. just full of wonders. Like, I cannot wait for what God shows me this morning. Mm-hmm. And yet at other times, it's not like that. Mm-hmm. At times I'm like, God, I feel like I've already read it all. <laughs> God, what more could I learn <laughs> from your yeah, scriptures? And I pray that this morning, if that's you, if you're like, God, I don't know what more I could learn. Like, I've already learned what it means to be a disciple. I already know what it means uh, to be part of God's kingdom. I already know what it means to repent and to be a fisher of men. God, God, what more is there? I pray that this lesson inspires you to be more fascinated and curious about this God-man Jesus, because mm. he truly is infinitely so the most interesting man in the world. Amen, Amen guys? Amen. I have three quick points for us this morning. The most interesting man in the world. Point number one, God's man. Mm. Point number one, God's man. Point number two, what did God's man do? He had his man. Who's God's man? Point number two, his man. And point number three, our kingdom. Mm. Our kingdom. You're like, our kingdom? Jesus' kingdom. That's true. And point number three, we'll get to that. Mm. Also, it is our kingdom too. John chapter one. Let's go to John chapter one. Talking about God's man. See, Jesus was God's man. He was literally the Messiah in, in the Hebrew, the anointed one. He was the one chosen by God to redeem all of humanity. Oh, Not just the Israelites from the oppression of the Romans. But all of humanity, see, see the people in Jesus' day, the Jews, they had a very narrow concept of what God, what Jesus came to do. It's like, man, we cannot wait for this Messiah. He's going to come and deliver his people, the Jews, from the Romans. And he's going to put the Jewish kingdom, the lineage of David, back on top as the world power. And God's like, wow, my people, your vision is so small. I did not come for the blacks. I did not come from the whites. I did not come from the Asians. I did not come from the Jews. I did not come for the Gentiles. I came for everyone to save the world. Literally, the Messiah, the anointed one, to come save God's people. And John chapter 1, starting verse 9, I I love how John here literally calls Jesus the Lamb of God. Mm. But right before that, in John chapter 1, this is what God's man wants to do. In verse 9, John chapter 1, verse 9, the Bible reads this. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. It's referring to Jesus. Again, John chapter 1, verse 1. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world. And though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own. But his own did not recognize him. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become what? Children, Children of God. Amen. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or a husband's will, but born of God. Amen. See, Jesus' will was that being God's man, his one and only son, Jesus' desire, in line with the Heavenly Father's desire, 
was to make many more children from himself. Mm-hmm. See, God's man wanted to make you also God's man. God's man also wanted you to wanted you to become God's woman. So that you, by believing, by trusting Jesus with your life, you could be born again spiritually. Not of the will of man. I know some of us here are trying to have children, amen. We got a lot of willpower. We're trying to have children. Very exciting. Logan Shanique are about to have two incredible children, amen. And I know this has been a lot on Logan here, right? So, Logan, make sure you take care of yourself, okay? <laughs> and as hard as it is, imagine this. I know the Bible refers to the, the pains of childbearing. As hard as it is for Shanique, not just to bear a child, but to carry a child through bearing a child. Logan, I love you, bro. It's not that hard. <laughs> but it's difficult as it is for a woman to bear and to carry for nine months in her belly yeah. a child. Yeah. How much more difficult was it for God to bear us as his spiritual tr- children? Yeah. How long did it take? 33 years of Jesus walking on earth mm. and then a terrible, tormenting crucifixion on the cross. Wow. Imagine carrying a baby for 33 years in your belly. And you, and you don't even know how they're going to turn out. Jesus was willing to live as God's man, as a human being on earth. This is going to get awkward, but think about it. He was born in a manger. Wow, that's pretty awkward. Not as awkward as going through puberty. Like, imagine being God and going through puberty. <laughs> that's awkward. That's terrible. Jesus getting through Why? Why would Jesus do this? Well, it's simple. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 4. Come on. Why would God do this? Again, God's man. Sometimes we can have this image of Jesus that's simply not relatable. Yeah, yeah. true. We have, like, the beast mode Jesus. Like, even the Muslims believe this. Like, there's no way that God's... God's prophet, like, why would Jesus die on a cross? He's God. Why would he put himself through that? And I scratch my head sometimes. I'm like, bro, I don't know what to tell you. He did it, but I don't know why. (laughs) See, Jesus put himself through these things. Why? Hebrews chapter 4. Check this out. You guys with me this morning? Hebrews chapter 4. I pray that you can be inspired, intrigued by Jesus again this morning. To have the, 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 the fire of curiosity about Jesus rekindled in your heart. So that we can never again become dissatisfied or too familiar with God or his scriptures. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest, that's Jesus, who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted. How? In every single way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. I love that. God's throne of judgment, is that what it says? No. God's throne of wrath? God's throne of power? No. All of those things are true. But, but the writer here of Hebrews says, no, let us approach God's throne of grace. Isn't that incredible? Like if there's one thing God wants to be known for, it's grace. Mm -hmm. The one person in the universe who didn't need to grace anything Mm -hmm. is the one giving the most grace. Mm -hmm. So what should that do with us? Verse 16 again. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with what? Confidence. So that we may receive 
Mercy. Look at these. These are fun words, guys. <laughs> May we receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. Isn't it amazing that we get to approach our daddy's room upstairs with great confidence? Knowing that not only will we receive grace, but we will receive help for with whatever needs we have. God loves you wow. and that's why as disciples we have such great confidence mm -hmm. i want to talk right now as disciples to our level of confidence mm -hmm. sometimes as disciples we walk around as if the world owns us that's true. we own the world mm -hmm. my dad owns this place mm -hmm. we're just simply lending it to the neighbors next door <laughs> you know it's so amazing uh, again uh, Brittany and i we do lead the campus ministry and it's so cool being on york university with these college students, a lot of them are like, I love our, our dear sister, Jojo Baptiste, oh, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. one of the most timid, shy people I've ever met in my life, which is why it's so incredible to watch her share her faith. Mm -hmm. It's a modern day miracle. It's amazing. <laughs> she shares her faith boldly. Wow. I know earlier this week, she was leading a Bible study with Brittany there, and it was like, Jojo led a Bible study. She did an incredible job. And part of me as a brother is like, man, I wish I could have been there as a brother just to see her just disciple these non-Christians to Christ. It's amazing the difference that Jesus can make in the heart of any individual. And talking to a lot of these young college students, especially the freshmen, this to me is like the biggest, the, the, the most distinct difference. See the freshmen who understand even the eyes of the world. Okay, I'm just a freshman. I'm fresh meat. Right, like you gotta watch out for the upperclassmen. Like you don't get in their way. Like if you're if you're walking in line with an upperclassman, you step to the side and you bow, right, as they go by. Like they have no confidence whatsoever. But I'll never forget talking to these young freshman university students. You are a son. You are a daughter of God. You own York University. This is your house. You're simply letting your friends and visitors come and visit. It's amazing to see these young disciples. They're like, yeah, that's right. Son of God. I am God's man. I am God's woman. Mm -hmm. The level of confidence we get to walk around because we're sons and daughters of God. Amen. I want to ask you, how has your confidence been this past week? <laughs> have you felt like you've had to dodge the hurdles of this world? Or have you felt like the sun sets you free? Check this out. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. Amen. The importance of confidence. What is confidence? Check this out. It's great. Some of us may lack confidence. What is that? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. And we're going to read a very famous scripture, but we're just going to read the first part of it. What is confidence? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now faith is confidence. Oh, there it is. What is confidence? It's faith. What is faith? Faith is confidence. If we lack confidence as human beings, we lack faith. What gives us confidence to walk the streets? Our faith in Jesus Christ. Yeah. When we lack confidence, it's because we lack an understanding of how connected we are to Jesus. Wow. Do you walk the streets with your head held high? Or do you feel burdened by the weights of this world? I pray that as disciples, guys, we can walk out this door today remembering that because we are God's man, because we are children born of God, we own this place, not in a cocky way, not in a pompous way, but in a real way. Mm. It's because God's man has chosen us.
to become God's people too. Yeah. You guys with me this morning? Yeah. How's your level of confidence this morning? Let's check this out. Let's go to John chapter 6. I want to quickly look at this. Where can we find this faith? Where can we find this confidence? John chapter 6. I'm going to read two scriptures here really quick. John chapter 6. John 6. And verse 38. John chapter 6, verse 38. The Bible reads this. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life and will raise them up at the last day. See, God's will is for us to do his will. That's what he wants us to do. And that when we die, he will raise us up on the last day. Let's check this out again. Let's go to Romans chapter 10. Romans 10. I know we're flipping. We're having a Bible study this morning. Amen. John chapter 10. Oh, sorry, Romans 10. My apologies. Romans 10. Romans 10. Verse 14. And verse... Verse 17, sorry. Consequently, where does confidence come from? Consequently, faith, confidence, comes from hearing the message, and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Mm. Ultimately, where does our confidence come from? Comes from God through our quiet times. <laughs> That's what it is. I know as an individual, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm useless without my quiet time. Totally useless. And oftentimes our level of confidence is directly proportional to the level of our quiet times. Yeah. Bro, how, how, how are you feeling today? How's your level of confidence? Oh, it's all right, bro. Okay. Bro, how are your quiet times? Oh, they're all right, bro. Okay, that makes sense. Bro, how are you feeling today? Bro, I feel, I feel awesome. I'm on fire. I'm super excited to go share my faith with the world around me. Awesome. How are your quiet times going, bro? Bro, my quiet times are going awesome. It's directly proportional to how much time we spend with Jesus every single day. It really is that simple. See, God's man, Jesus, came down as the word of God so we could read the story of his life. Mm -hmm. And knowing that Jesus was tempted in every way, just like we are, and he passed all the tests, it's like Jesus is handing us the answer of the test every day. Like, this is the answer to the test of life, to the quiz of all the hardships we go through. But if we don't read the textbooks, if we don't read the textbook, how will we ever pass the test? You guys with me? God's man. How are your quiet times going? How are your quiet times this past week? How long do you spend every day with God? You know, as a disciple, I have a deep conviction that the older we are spiritually, the more time we need to spend with God. You know, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, there was this, uh, this group on campus called the ICOC. And it's very sad. I share this from my heart as a personal experience. I don't have a lot of experience uh, with the ICOC, but there was this young individual in the ICOC who was a Bible talk leader. He'd been a disciple, in his words, for over eight years. I'm like fascinated. Oh, wow, man, you've been sharing your faith and all these things. Come to find out, I asked him, hey, how's your evangelism going? It's not. He's a Bible talk leader, leading men and women on a university campus. And then I, I began to talk to him to kind of pick his brain and see where he's coming from and what he believes in and how he lives. Come to find out, I ask him how his quiet times are going. 
He's like, man, I'm gonna let you know, I recently repented and I started having great quiet times. I'm like, oh, awesome. How long are your quiet times? 15 minutes. Mm. I was shocked how religious this guy was, how long he said he'd been following Jesus and was having microwave quiet times. Mm. 15 minute quiet times is no way to prepare our hearts the older we get in the faith. It's true. Are your quiet times now longer than they were when you first got baptized. Mm-hmm. We, we need more time. It's not that we should be spending more time with Jesus. No, we need more time with Jesus. Amen. The waters of our hearts get deeper. We need to dig deeper into the soil of, of what we're struggling with and spend more time with God. I want to challenge us to at least have longer quiet times this week than we did when we first got baptized. Amen. Have you been spending less time with God's man? Or have you been spending more time with God's man this week? You guys with me? Point number two. See, God's man then went after his men. See, Jesus, one man, multiplied himself into 12 men. You know, it's been said that Jesus spent 30 years in order to spend three years in order to prepare 12 men to go and change the world. You know, it's fascinating. Jesus, although he changed the world, Jesus never actually evangelized the world. In Matthew 28, we obviously know that Jesus says, go and make disciples of all nations. Did Jesus make disciples of all nations? No, <laughs> he didn't. It blew my mind when I first realized that. Jesus changed the world, but he never evangelized the world. Well, what was his plan? His plan was us. <laughs> his plan was his 12 men. He spent 30 years as a human being getting ready to spend three years worth of ministry to train his 12 apostles who then would go and change the world. Wow. His men. Check this out. Let's go to John chapter 15. We are his plan. John chapter 15. The Bible reads this. In John 15, verse 14. Come on, bro. John chapter 15, verse 14. The Bible reads this. Again, Jesus speaking to his men. You are my friends if you do what? If you do what I command. (laughs) I no longer call you servants. Whoa! Because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I've made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, just to keep you humble there. (laughs) And I appointed you so that you may go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the father forgive you. Mm-hmm. I know this is a scripture that we can sometimes overlook. We're talking about the king of the universe. No longer has servants. He has friends. Wow. Imagine that if Bill Gates were just to come here in service today and just start being your friend. Like it, it, it would be one thing to try to talk to Bill Gates as a friend, to try to win his friendship. It'd be something else entirely for Bill Gates to talk to you as his friend. The Bible says that in the Psalms that God stoops down to make us great. Mm. And I can't think of a better example than what Jesus just said here. Is Jesus calls us his friends. What do friends do? They hang out. (laughs) They have fun together. They crack jokes. I honestly believe that, I mean, it even says in John chapter 21 that many other things Jesus did that were not written in this book, right? So I believe that Jesus cracked a lot of jokes. (laughs) I believe that Jesus was a hilarious guy. I believe that Jesus pulled pranks. I believe that Jesus was a great cook. There's so many human things I believe that Jesus did. Why? 
Because that's what friends do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Jesus wasn't always serious all the time. Yeah. He knew how to build friendships. He knew how to have fun. He knew how to invest and cultivate love with his men. Mm-hmm. But what does it mean to be Jesus' man? What does it mean to be his friend? It simply means to obey his mm-hmm. commands. Mm-hmm. I'd be lying to you if I said that all of the scriptures in the Bible are things that I enjoy doing. There are things mm-hmm. in the Bible that are just straight up difficult to do. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things to do is evangelize. I'll be honest with you. I love evangelizing and talking to people. But every day isn't the same. Sometimes it's really difficult to get out of bed. Sometimes it's really difficult to share my faith with people that make me nervous. I, I remember growing up as a, as a young disciple, I heard of this concept called scare share. Mm. Scare share. And in the States, I, I love Canada because everyone's together. In the States, at least where I'm from in Los Angeles, it's not so. Typically, more or less, it's kind of the white people hang out with the white people, the black people hang out with the black people, the Asian people have their own corner, right? Like, everybody kind of has their own place. Mm-hmm. And so it's funny, as an individual, there's always people who are like you, who you feel comfortable sharing with. Mm-hmm. And then there are many other people who are not like you, mm-hmm. who you don't feel comfortable sharing with. And oftentimes, young disciples would be given the challenge to scare share. Not just to evangelize, but specifically to pinpoint in public People that make you nervous. Mm. And for me, do you know who that was? White, tall, athletic people. (laughs) I was terrified sharing with tall, white, athletic people. No joke. Do you know who the other group of people that terrified me? Women. (laughs) I was so scared talking to women, which is hilarious because I was actually reached out to and brought out to church by a woman. (laughs) And no joke, there were times where literally I'd be sharing my faith in public, and sometimes you'd see like a couple together, like a guy and a girl, and I would literally just avoid them. I wouldn't share with the guy because there was a woman next to him. I was just so afraid of sharing with the woman at the well. But all of us have those people that we feel uncomfortable sharing with. I'm going to challenge us this week to scare share. Wow. Who do you feel scared to share with? <laughs> if they make you nervous and shake a little bit, perfect candidates. Yeah. That's awesome. You know, I feel like nowadays it's really easy to scare share. If you're not wearing a mask, everybody's scared of you. <laughs> if you're wearing a mask, everybody's scared of you. People do not make contact in public. You know, I appreciate the stance that our, our incredible brothers Jislan and Wally are taking during this time. It is to really let people know, hey, guys, COVID should not be more important than your salvation. And regardless of what anybody thinks or feels, they still go out into public, into people, people's personal space within six feet, two meters, and share with them about Jesus. Why? Because their soul is more important than their mask. I love that. That would make me nervous. And while he shared, that's made him nervous. (laughs) Ghislaine's not afraid of anything. (laughs) But to share with people, even those who scare us. I I want you to take your little piece of paper there that that you're writing down. And I want you to write down three types of people that make you nervous. What people make you uncomfortable? Is it white <laughs> people? Who, people who are not me. People in suits. Hey, there's a lot of I know some students, uh, disciples who haven't gotten uh, educations in university, mm-hmm. are afraid of sharing on campus with university students. They see them as above them. Like, why would they ever listen to me? But write down three different types of people. That just straight up make you nervous. It could be your family members. Maybe your family members make you nervous. Maybe your parents make you nervous. Your neighbors. 
Write down three individuals that make you nervous. Mm -hmm. Hopefully you guys have written down a couple. I know Loga's not afraid of that many people. Nope. Yeah. He's afraid of his wife and that's not no, it. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> this is my challenge to all of us. I want us to share this week with each of those types of people. Seriously. Go out and, and share. Fish for those kind of men. Fish for those kind of women. But as we go about and we evangelize every day this week, I want to challenge us to share with at least one of those, uh, each of those types of people. So if, if sharing with men scares you, share with at least one male. If, if tall people wearing suits scares you, share with somebody who's tall wearing a suit. Share with each of those people this week on that list. Amen, guys? Amen. See, this is what it means to be... He is man. <laughs> Check this out. Let's go to Matthew chapter 19. I'm going to look at another scripture here. Matthew 19. I love the privilege that Jesus gives us as his men, as his women. Matthew 19. It says here in verse 22, Jesus says something interesting here. Matthew chapter 19, verse 22. The Bible reads, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. This is the rich young ruler. Jesus said to sell everything for him. He was unwilling to. Verse 23, Matthew 19, verse 23. When the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I tell you, it is hard for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished and asked, Who then can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, With man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Peter answered, We have left everything to follow you. What then will there be for us? Look at Jesus' response here. It's very interesting. From the most interesting man in the world. <laughs> Verse 28. Truly I tell you, at the renewal of all things, when the Son of Man sits on his glorious throne, you who have followed me will also sit on twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Mm. Whoa! Obviously we know that Jesus has a throne in heaven. Mm -hmm. But guess who else will have a throne in heaven? Apparently the 12 apostles. They will rule with Jesus in heaven. But is this a promise that was made only to the apostles? Let's go to Revelation. Very briefly here. Revelation chapter 3. He is men. What do we get for being Jesus' man? Revelation chapter 3. This blew my mind. And I pray it blows your mind too. <laughs> Revelation chapter 3. Verse 21. Jesus is speaking to the faithful, to the church in Laodicea. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the promise to sit on thrones wasn't just given to Jesus. It wasn't just given to the apostles. It's given to us, too. We will literally get to rule in heaven as his men. So let's go out there and bring as many people as possible into heaven to rule with us. Amen? And finally, one last piece here. See, there's God's man. That's Jesus. There's his men. 
That's us. And then thirdly, there's our kingdom. <laughs> our kingdom. That might sound a little strange, but believe it or not, it is in fact our kingdom. Let's go to uh, uh, Romans chapter 8. Check this out. Romans 8. Romans 8. Our kingdom. What do I mean by our kingdom? It's Jesus' kingdom. Well, check this out. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. That's us. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Daddy, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are what? Heirs. Heirs of God. And co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Mm. So this kingdom that we were brought into, was it God's kingdom? Mm. Yes. Was it Jesus' kingdom? Yes. Is it our kingdom? Yes. Yes. Let's look at one last scripture here. Luke chapter 12. Luke 12. I love these scriptures. That start one way, but then end differently than I expected. <laughs> Check this out. Luke chapter 12, verse 27. This is the last scripture we're going to look at today. I pray that this encourages you and inspires you. This is the famous scripture. Uh, again, we know in Matthew uh, chapter 6 where Jesus says, do not worry. Well, this is Luke's account of the do not worry passage. He says here in verse 29, do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink and do not worry about it. Again, this is Luke chapter uh, 12. Uh, uh, verse 30, for the pagan world runs after all these things, and your father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, that's us. For your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. kingdom. God has been pleased. He is fired up to make us co-heirs with him. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is literally saying, hey guys, liquidate all those idols. Get rid of whatever is in your life that is keeping you from making your citizenship with me in my kingdom. See, God is pleased to give us his kingdom. Do you guys remember in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus gave Peter the keys? Yeah. Well, he gave us the kingdom. Mm. Wow. I mean, how cool is it to have the keys to a car? But how much cooler is it to have the car? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> it's our kingdom. We get to reign in it. We get to rule in it. And so what should we do? We should do what Jesus did. Bring as many people with us into this kingdom as possible. Mm. And I'd like to give us, as a marriage ministry, one last final challenge. A simple, back-to-the-basics one a day evangelism challenge Amen. to share our faith every single day. I, I want to say I'm so proud of this church. Yeah. I'm proud to be a disciple. <laughs> I'm proud to be a disciple in this church. This church is so stinking evangelistic. This church is so caring and hospitable. You know, it's funny. I, I know a couple of weeks ago, uh, Brittany and I were having D time with the Schwales. And I remember uh, Shane was, was sharing how, how often they get together with the disciples. And this was back in like the earlier parts of November. And Shane was saying, man, guys, we're getting together with a lot of people. I, I think we need to we need to just take the weekend to ourselves and, and not get together with any of the disciples or have days with the disciples. 
Sure enough, the next week they were with the disciples. <laughs> Every single week. It was funny. Brittany was telling me we saw like a picture of one of the sisters posted up, and Brittany's like, "Didn't they? Didn't they say that they didn't have the energy to host anybody anymore?" And that's so many disciples in this church. We are so giving, even evangelistic. But sometimes I can notice that not all of us share our faith every single day. And so I want to bring us back to the basics. To work again on the habit of our evangelism. And to simply share our faith with at least one person every single day. And let's be sure throughout this week that at least three of those individuals are scare shares. (laughs) Three individuals that just simply make us uncomfortable. Because they don't make Jesus uncomfortable. Yeah. And at the end of the day, everyone needs Jesus too. Because yeah. I, I pray that yeah. you can be encouraged looking again at this most interesting man in the world, Jesus. And you can remember that although he was God's man, he makes you God's person too. Mm-hmm. That although the apostles were his men, we get to be his men too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and although the kingdom belongs to the king, Jesus, it is also our kingdom So let's just go out there. Let's talk to everyone we possibly can about the most interesting man in the world. Let's forcefully advance God's kingdom so that as many people can rule it with us for all of eternity, as many as possible. Amen, guys? Amen. I love you dearly. Thank you, bro. Thank you so much. Uh, You're like, uh, I was thinking about something as you were.